The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled to Sue. Everybody and welcome back to Cancelled Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Kaputnik. Get me phone bone. I'm never washing these eyes again. <laughs> is this the office to Mad Magazine? No, it's Mademoiselle. We're getting the sign on an installation plan. Uh, <laughs> my name is Whitney Seibold. Uh... Uh, a twisted mind that was shaped at too early an age by Mad Magazine. I also read Mad Magazine. Uh, yeah, this is the show where we review TV shows that lasted only one season or less. We like to uh, talk about... Recently, we talked about uh, shows that were only just canceled mm. this last season. But as we mentioned in our intro, uh, the history of television is a history of failure. And f- seriously, like every hit show that you've heard of is accompanied by probably at least a dozen... Shows that flunked out, mm. never made it past the season, never made it past the pilot in some cases. And in some of those cases, the pilot is resurrected by the TV network and aired as a TV special or a TV movie in the hopes of wringing a few dollars off of that investment. And that is the case this week on Cancelled Too Soon, because we are about to talk about a failed pilot for an animated sketch comedy series based on Cracked Magazine. Oh, you heathen. It's mad. <laughs> Regular programming will not be seen at this time, so we may bring you the Mad Magazine TV special. With the Automobile Manufacturer of the Year. The Academy Awards for Parents. Mad X-Raving. The Odd Father. A peek behind the scenes at a hospital. And the kind of father you've learned to expect from Mad's usual gang of idiots. The Mad Magazine TV special is brought to you by... 
So the Mad Magazine television special was originally uh, set up to be an animated sketch comedy show, and the sketches were lifted pretty much wholesale directly off of the page. Yeah, word for, not just the writing word for word, but the images as well. They didn't seem to put a lot into the animation, but they took some of the art from uh, Jack Davis and Antonio Proyas and Don Martin and Al Jaffe, like the actual mad artists, and just had them move around a little bit. Yeah. And... Uh, hired some voice actors to kind of, it seemed, sounds like they were just sort of like throwing it all out on one take. Yeah, a lot of it's uh, really off the cuff. And that's actually very in keeping with a lot of animation in the 60s and 70s. Uh, there were s- several television shows that were basically just taking material from comics. In particular, I remember uh, co- uh, animated shows based on Marvel comics like Iron Man, Incredible mm. Hulk, Thor. And they would just basically take a panel from the comic and maybe rotate the head of a character a little bit. They were able to like move the, the lips a little yeah. bit on, on the animation. Very limited animation. Mm-hmm. But the idea was the stories were still good. And so it didn't really matter. And I actually grew up watching reruns of those. And mm-hmm. they still played great. So the format is fine. Well, uh, when I got to see uh, the premiere of Iron Man 3 oh, yeah. uh, at the uh, Egyptian Theater in Hollywood... They decided to make it a little more fun, and they threw a little bit of those old, like, 1960s Iron Man cartoons before the movie. Oh, that's so that was, I there was they like, do that there more like often. Three, like, three five-minute chapters. That's I got cool. to watch those. I don't think those are on Disney+. Plus. They fucking should be. Uh, but the other thing uh, about that is there was this movement in the 70s in particular uh, to make animation more adult. And I think most people know, or at least have heard about mm. some of the films of Ralph Bakshi, like mm. the X-rated uh, the cat, comedy Fits yeah. the Cat, uh, or his Lord of the Rings movie. Uh, however, there were actually quite a few relatively low-budget, animated, raunchy comedies mm. in that era, uh, many of which I don't recommend. Like, I just don't think, like Down and Dirty Duck, don't you don't uh, need to dirt, see that? Dirty Duck's pretty awful. Dirty Duck is a, just a bad the, film, there, but I've, it's got this kind of like mm. we're gonna let comedians just riff, and it doesn't really matter if it syncs up or anything. Mm. It's just supposed to have this loosey goosey kind of renegade kind well, of it, it pushing the boundaries a, art feel. Part of it is a juxtaposition between the animated form, which uh, uh, big film studios like Disney were selling mostly to kids and telling kid friendly yeah. stories with. And really adult material, and that was causing humor. That's uh, you know big selling point of stuff like South Park. Uh, but also, it was drawing on a lot of traditions from underground comics with an X, like the R. Crumbs of the era. That's a good point. Who were uh, also who are drawing really incredibly raunchy, sometimes just downright pornographic stories, but with kind of a broad comedic comicy style. Yeah, and often some form of social commentary, or at the very yeah. least, some artistic merit. Right. Like, which again, art has artistic merit regardless, but like some attempt to actually say something yeah. and not just be pornographic. Um, to, be, to be smut, it must be utterly without redeeming social importance. Redeeming uh, social importance was the big phrase of the day uh-huh. when it came to defining pornography. And there's it, was a, a, it was in the courts a lot in the 60s. Ex- except the gag for that is that a lot of like the mainstream movies and television mm. didn't have redeeming social yeah, importance yeah. either. So who's who's to say? I'm not judging mm. any art, basically. I'm just trying to give you like sort of an description so you have it in your head in case you haven't read uh, any of the works of R. Crumb, for example. But uh, one wonderful phenomenon that sort of uh, was standing astride both those uh, really raunchy underground comics for adults and a lot of uh, 
sort of slapsticky old timey cartoons for kids was Mad Magazine. Yeah. Uh, Mad Magazine, uh, it's called a magazine as a successful attempt to uh, circumvent the Comics Code Authority. Yeah, we need to talk a little bit about mm. the history, the prehistory of Mad Magazine. Yeah. Um, um, Mad Magazine was uh, published by Bill Gaines, who previously worked on EC Comics. EC, uh, way back in the day, was stood for Educational Comics. And they were supposed to be, like, really, like, informative, or at the very least, highly positive and safe oh. kinds of comics. And the marketing di- dynamic, basically, was, we're going to make sure that adults buy these mm. to give to their kids. What Bill Gaines did when he inherited the company, (laughs) when his father died... God bless him. He was like, I find that so boring. I actually... And and to his credit, he wanted to push the medium, and he wanted to do more Mm. daring stories, more more stories that push the envelope. And honestly, a lot of them were really amazing, and a lot of them were really fucked up, because Mm. he started making... Horror comics, that became sort of the defining... EC Comics did a lot of stuff, Mm. but the defining genre of EC Comics, what they're remembered for nowadays, is horror comics like Vault of Horror and Tales from the Crypt. Mm. And these were... They changed the name to Entertaining Comics. And And these were were, were violent, in-your-face, often morality tales. They weren't, mm. like, without, like, any thoughts in their head but oh, they no. were often uh, very full of decapitations and and, and, and so gore. they were uh and they were jokey as well like that that's where the crypt keeper comes from and there were actually three keepers of the comics in the original comic run yeah these comics are aggressively vile like they're difficult yeah. to read today some of them uh, are some of them are really good though yeah. like some oh of no them... they're they're excellent yeah but they're vile and uh <laughs> and that's their appeal and indeed they were so violent and so vile that uh, they, they along with other comics that were really popular at the time in the 1950s, uh, were targeted by censors. Uh, in particular because of a really badly written book called mm. Seduction, Seduction of, of the, the Innocent. Innocent by, was it Frederick Wortham? Is that who it was? Wor- yeah. Let me yeah. look up his name. Yeah. It was Fre- Wortham. I want to make sure it was Frederick. Yeah. is correct. Um, and this was a book that uh, created quite the sensation because it told... You know, parents who were very nervous. There was a lot of uh, concerns about juvenile delinquency yeah, for, at the time. For, for the words, I was right. Yeah. Okay. It, but there was a lot of concerns. A lot of it hyped up. But uh, there were a lot of concerns about juvenile delinquency. That was one of the big mm. uh, uh, paranoid uh, uh, concerns of the era. And so when Frederick Wortham wrote this book called Seduction of the Innocent and said, you know what's to blame? For all of this uh, youthful violence and it's what, media and 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 uh, uh, oh now kids are more kids are gay now and like you know all this kind of stuff like I'm just going to blame comics for everything mm. everything conservative parents are really really scared of so uh, what he would call sexual deviancy with, mm. with most of what we would call not being heterosexual like that was <laughs> he was blaming comics for that like oh batman and robin they're clearly they're, they're, they're lovers they're and, directly and, responsible and the kid for, is going to read that yeah. comic and and all of a sudden they're just they're going to become start heterosexual and become homosexual yeah that's that's how that works which is yeah it, that's exactly how that works it's yeah, so yeah, well researched yeah you, you, yeah you hit the nail on the head yeah there. and also kids are going to see the violence in the comics and they're going to go well i guess i should kill people mm bullshit like absolute bullshit but it caused enough of a stink that parents across the country were having pta meetings and shit there were public comic book burnings which is a fucking frightening Mm -hmm. thing and the there were actual like senate hearings or congressional hearings i forget if it was one or the other or both but and which uh bill gaines actually had to be was one of the scapegoats basically Mm. 
for the comics industry, and uh, they they grilled him pretty hard about whether his comics were uh, you know irresponsible. And his response is, "I'm not selling. I'm making them for little kids. Like I'm, what?" What do you want? So eventually, like, I'm, I'm making horror comics. If it shocked people, that's appropriate. Like yeah. he was, he stood his ground. Yeah, he, I knew what I was. He knew what he was doing. He, there, he, his, there was no yeah. compromise from Bill Gaines. Yeah, and and the the government didn't really come to a meaningful conclusion. But in order to stave off all the negative publicity, comic books adopted what became known as the Comics Code Authority. And the Comics Code Authority, which used to be on almost every comic book you could get, unless it was like really underground, like Gar Crumb, would have a little, it looked like a little postage stamp. Mm. It used to be really big and it got smaller and smaller as the years passed. Uh, And it was, much like the production code, it was was self-censorship. It was a voluntary process. Uh, but uh, it basically was like the production code of the that was started in the 1930s for mainstream Hollywood. It was a series of rules that dictated what could or could not be in a comic book under the assumption that kids would be reading it. Not under the assumption that any adult would read it, but the assumption that all comics would be should be appropriate for children. Mm-hmm. And because these rules were made, well, for two reasons. One, by in, with a very conservative mindset in, in mind. And also, with a very explicit intent to destroy EC Comics because it was dominating the marketplace, mm-hmm. uh, rules could be as arbitrary as divorce can't be portrayed favorably. And also, you couldn't have something like the word weird in the title, which has nothing to do with anything <laughs> except <laughs> that really, that completely canceled one of yeah, EC Comics' yeah. top-selling titles. Mm. Uh, yeah, weird shock suspense stories. All of these uh, comics were now under uh, increased scrutiny. And um, although we tend to look back at the 1950s as Frederick Wortham's time, it was yeah. a very conservative time where a lot of uh, censorship was running rampant. Okay, look, there was a lot of underground. There was a lot of satire. There was a lot of impatience and and hatred of these systems. Uh, and no, nowhere was that more evident than in something like Mad Magazine, a Lampoon magazine. And in order, because uh, magazines like Time weren't uh, beholden to any kind of Comics Code authority, they decided to call Mad a magazine. And mm-hmm. now they could put whatever the hell they wanted in it and not be beholden to the Comics Code Authority. Yep. Uh, and Mad Magazine stayed in circulation for 67 years. Uh, they didn't accept advertisers because it was a satire magazine and they would actually go after advertisers. They knew the language of Madison Avenue and they went after Madison Avenue on the regular, on a regular basis. They lampooned other comics. Uh, in the early days, they were, uh, you know, uh, Bat Boy and Super Duper Man and all, you know, Dick Tracy, all of these spoofs of the, the popular comics at the time, but they drew them in a really broad style and they're doing things like vomiting into their hats and drinking each other's blood. Uh, awesome, amazing stuff. Yeah. The, this was the the comic mainstream sneaking, or the comic underground sneaking its way right into the eyes of, of all the cynical teens in the world. And they never talked down to their teens. They were really smart. They understood popular culture and also uh, took a stance that popular culture wasn't something that you need to take seriously. Yeah. The advertisers are trying to tell you that your parents are trying to tell you that mm. we understand well, we're think... mad magazine. And they're sort of tapping into this subversive, subversive streak that a lot of young people had. It's worth remembering mm. that uh, what we, th- we like to think of counterculture mm. as just cool culture. Uh, but it's important to remember that counterculture started 
sort of to run counter to what was considered the established norm. Yeah. And the established norm was a certain amount of respectability. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of like uh, institutions and a lot of uh, a lot of institutions were considered, if not untouchable, then at least something we ne- we desperately need to be respectful of. And so we're, mm-hmm. we'll poke light fun at most. Uh, and uh, and also there were a lot of social norms that were expected to be upheld. Mm-hmm. And I think at its best, Mad Magazine created an environment in which everything was a source of potential satire and mockery. Was it always good? No. Mad but it was a lot. It was a yeah. lot in every magazine, mm-hmm. chock full of at least attempts yeah. at irreverent humor. Uh, Mad Magazine, I, I read it a lot as a kid, and then uh, fell off. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I, I, you went, well, I went away to college. I was doing other things. Yeah. I didn't have the, the time or the finance. Uh, years later, mm. when I was an adult, I went back, and the spirit was still there. Mm. Now, over You're the talking years, about the new... You didn't go back to the old issues. You went no, to, I went, we went to, to yeah. the new ones that, that were being published. Uh, they rebranded uh, just a couple of years ago. And unfortunately, that wasn't enough to save the magazine. Yeah. Uh, just just because of the way the publishing industry is shaped, it's nothing yeah. to do with Madden in it's, particular. It's just, it's just magazines bigger, in yeah. general are hard to pull off yeah, nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I wrote briefly for Mad Magazine, full disclosure. I was never published. <laughs> but by God, you wrote a few but, things. But I did write a few things. I was put on their social media team, and I actually have like tax forms that I was put on the payroll at Mad Magazine. Yeah. But I was never paid by Mad Magazine because they never published any of my shit. <laughs> you were too mad for mad. Well, I, I was put on the social media team, which meant I, I was writing tweets. They say you have to co- you know, write in tweets or send us like pitches for like articles. And I sent in literally a hundred and they just never, ne- never got back. Again, they didn't like my stuff. I'm sorry, you're too mad for mad. Too too mad for Mad Magazine. There you go. Uh, it <laughs> be an ex-Schmodown nickname. Whitney, too mad, Seibold. Uh, but, uh, that, yeah. That, that subversive streak of, uh, like, anti-establishment humor was a very important part, not just of mad, but I think of a lot of myself growing up and mm. uh, just a lot of the more important humor growing up. Yeah. Uh, mad Magazine refer- uh, had a lot of recurring segments in their magazine, some of which are more famous than other. Probably the most famous one they ever had was a, was a segment called Spy vs. Spy, mm. uh, which was about uh, yeah. two spies, one of which is uh, cloaked in white, one of which is cloaked in black, so you can tell them apart. And it's always basically one spy is attempting to assassinate the other spy, but the death trap has like some kind of like reversal double back or something and it turns out the other spy was behind it all along mm-hmm. and occasionally it's a triple or quadruple reversal and you're just basically waiting to see which one's gonna die it's basically yeah, itchy the, and scratchy is it, the it's, basic it's vibe. itchy and scratchy a lot of the spy stuff was very rube goldberg-ish these yeah. really weird inventive things spy versus spy had no dialogue uh because it was created by antonio Proos, who didn't speak english when he started writing for mad oh, i didn't know that uh, he was yeah he was uh, fleeing uh political persecution in cuba uh, for political cartoons. And he ended up in New York and in the Mad Magazine offices. And he sort of sketched out these Spy vs. Spy and it became an institution. Spy vs. Spy was always my favorite. My second favorite was the back cover because they had what was called the Mad Magazine Folded. <laughs> and this has always impressed me because here's the thing with Mad Magazine. Hmm. The artwork was pretty varied in terms of style, but it was impressively detailed, like a lot of effort. Went into every single magazine. Like people worked their asses off. They didn't just mm. do a couple of cute little doodles. Uh, 
the Mad Magazine fold-in was the back page of Mad Magazine was one big splash page full of detail. Mm. And, and there would be a riddle in the upper left-hand corner. Yeah. And a caption underneath. And then what would happen is you would, there would be like these two markings about a third of the way. Like the the, mm. the, the thing would be divided into threes. And then you would fold the two halves in. And then and the sides create a new image. The yeah. sides of the image would create a brand new image, and it would also solve the riddle. It's actually pretty complicated, and mm. doing that every single month must have been a real, uh, a real chore. And like, it's it's cool. It was really yeah, neat. The, the artist who did the foldens was Al Jaffe, and in next week, Al Jaffe will be one hundred years old. Wow! Happy he, birthday, Al he Jaffe! Just retired. He was, he was like he was like ninety five or ninety six when he finally God. retired. Kudos to you, Al Jaffe. Yeah, well Al, Al Jaffe was one of the regulars, and uh, I was always fond of Don Martin's comics. Mm. Don Martin, who just did these absurdist little panels uh, with these very bizarre. I, I haven't ever seen like a caricature look like a Don Martin cartoon. It's very particular. The, 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 the characters had like these long barrel shaped heads and. Uh, sort of like foldable feet and long bulbous fingers and these really weird physiques. I loved the look of the Don Martin characters. Yeah. Uh, I, I also liked the movie spoofs. Um, yeah. p- people like Jack Davis was a very good caricaturist and he would write, do caricatures of famous movie characters. And they wrote, did all these caricatures in movie spoofs and the movie spoofs were always like the most obvious possible jokes. Um, yeah. Uh, the the spoof of the Godfather was called the Odd Father. Get it? Uh, when it, when there was something really difficult to parody, like the title X Men, they just said X Men, like E C C H. There was a, it's it's a New York uh, magazine. It was based in New York. It was written by guys who live in New York, and so there's a lot of like Yiddishisms and New York humor and Jewish humor sort of folded. The, there's a lot of like, in throughout. There's a lot of what you'd call borscht belt humor. There there's go. a lot of like mm. really hammy set up some payoffs mm. and a lot of what we would might call dad jokes. Uh, but mm. uh, it's not so much the quality as the volume. Like it's just <laughs> there's so much of it. It's the, like you, you just can, sort of get swept up in its energy. And you look at a splash on Mad Magazine, and every uh, they did this a little bit in the animated special that we're about we're about to get to it. Yeah, uh, we're building, but. Jack Davis would do all of these caricatures, but then he'd draw for no other reason, like a chimpanzee in a tuxedo, just sort of standing in the crowd or, yeah. you know, like a, a Easter eggs of galore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Little tiny details. And indeed in the margins, Sergio Aragonas, uh, another one of Mad's yeah. biggest luminaries would who, do tiny who, little marginal comics. Yeah. Like in the tiny little margins. So yeah, yeah. there was, yeah. There was always something to look at. It was really busy, and these things could be poured over for hours. Sergio Aragonos was really important to me. Uh, he uh, created a comic book series called Grew the Wanderer, mm. which was a comedic parody of Conan the Barbarian. And Grew the Wanderer might actually be the very first thing I read. Like, oh, and yeah. I was like capable as, as of reading. Okay. I was. I figured out I was capable of reading while I was pouring through Gru. my brother's old issues of Gru the Wanderer. Nice. So uh, Gru was very formative to me. I have a I have a Gru fridge magnet autographed by Sergio Aragonas. Nice. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that. That's amazing. He, well, he he was. I was so sad. He was at uh, Comic Con. Yeah. Uh, Sergio Aragonas, like, as far as I'm concerned, one of the most important cartoonists to have ever lived. Mm. And he's there with his big stack of Gru comics and his stack of like Mad Magazine stuff. And nobody is nearby. There's yeah. not a line to see Sergio Aragonas. He's just sort of sitting there at a table with his resplendently large mustache, uh, just sort of doodling to himself. And, you know, this is Comic-Con. If you want an autograph or something, you, you pay for it. Yeah. You can't just say, hey, I brought a thing. Can you sign it? It's like, okay, 
give me 30 bucks and I'll do that. Yeah, we're, we're and all I working was, hard. Unfortunately, here. this was on the last day of con and I didn't have any money left over. So all oh. I could afford were the fridge magnets, oh. which is like $40. And that's, that's cool. that was worth it to me. But yeah, that's Other, cool. otherwise I would have gotten like this big book signed by him with a sketch inside for 200 awesome. bucks. Anyway, uh, so it's the early 1970s. We're catching up to the show now. And Mad Magazine was actually pretty much at the height of its popularity. It was selling millions of copies. Mm. And the idea to turn it into a television series, which they would do again in a few decades with a sketch comedy series designed to run counter to Saturday Night Live. Mm. Uh, but in the early 1970s, they were like, hey, let's try a pilot episode for a Mad Magazine sketch comedy show. And the question is... How do we recapture the particular look and spirit of Mad Magazine? And the conclusion they came to was, we're going to do it in animation. Mm. Now, it's TV animation. Can't afford, you know, a lot of detail. We can't, like, make it, like, super gorgeous. So, the, so clearly the decision that they made was, we're going to take the images from the comics. We're going to, re we're going to recreate them or recapture them. And we're going to use minimal animation in order to bring those images people already know to life. And I don't have, like, a perfect memory. I do remember reading, I'm sure it was a reprint, mm. uh, The Odd Father. Yeah. In some Mad Magazine. They would occasionally do reprints of, like, their classic movie spoofs. And they yeah. would just be like, classic movie issue or whatever. Um, so I definitely read that. A couple of the other ones look pretty familiar to me. Or at the very least, they're in a format that I recall. Yeah, the, and then uh, uh, visiting the uh, the the blank of the year where a, a reporter would follow around some shyster yeah. in uh, uh, some profession. And there was, uh, there would always be analogs for uh, a real life famous person. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so they took a bunch of those and then they added a few interstitial uh, animated bits, most of which were between 10 and 30 seconds long. Mm. Uh, and that's the gag. Mm. It didn't they it didn't get picked up for a couple of reasons firstly uh there was apparently some concern that because mad magazine was so irreverent to not just cultural norms but also to um you know various businesses mm. that no one would want to actually pay to be advertised on it in case they would yeah, be why, a target of it why, yeah why would coca-cola buy ad space on mad magazine when they're going to talk about how Coca-Cola Coca tastes like dishwasher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's not really... It's not really the vibe. It's a little too anarchic uh, for primetime. Uh, so that was also a vibe. And apparently there was also just a general consensus that it was a little too uh, raunchy for network mm. television at the time. Now, Mad didn't work blue, by the way. No! There, there was, there wasn't, it wasn't R-rated. Like... The, there, it was out on the edge, but yeah, there yeah. was never, there wasn't nudity, there wasn't, well, was some nudity, but there wasn't, like, cussing, there wasn't, yeah. like, pornographic imagery. It was just a, a little bit off-center. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, they thought, the general consensus was it was too much for televisions, but they did spend the money to make it, and they did end up airing it in 1974. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's exactly what it sounds like. If you're mm. watching the animated sketches, and we'll walk you through those sketches. But um, either you're into that or you're not, basically. There's like there's there there's nothing to prepare you. There's no way in. You either already are on board with this and already a fan, mm. or you're gonna sit there pretty stone faced. I think. Yeah. Uh, I feel like uh, when you're reading Mad Magazine on the page, we talked you know we talked about how the images are so busy that you can kind of sit, sit with the joke a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
And you I can, was, and you, at least you can take it at your own pace. And yeah, yeah. you can take it at your own pace. You, you can dictate the tone. I always felt the tone in, in Mad Magazine forever wild and irreverent it was to be really kind of deadpan. Yeah, it's like we're we're gonna kind of deadpan, especially in their their parodies. Like, oh, uh, one of the jokes in The Odd Father is. Uh, uh, he he died of natural causes. What did he die of? Well, he he ate like four plates of lasagna, in a an in Italian restaurant. Yeah, an Italian restaurant. That's natural causes. Yeah. Uh, funny joke if delivered correctly. Yeah, but it's actually really hard. It's that's one of those jokes that listen. There's just some jokes. Hmm. There's just some material that works a little better in one medium than another. When hmm. you're reading it, you're it comes across in a different way. You're interpreting it your own way. You come up with that expectation where. When you start reading a sentence, you have a general sense of where that sentence is going to end. In fact, there have actually been like studies about how like people don't actually read all of words. They mm-hmm. once you read enough, you'll read like the first couple of letters in a word, and your brain sort of inputs what the rest of the word is going to be. And unless you're surprised, you just move on to the next word. Mm-hmm. And that's how a lot of jokes work, where we set up something yeah, and you think uh... you know where it's going to go, and then bada bing, we go in a slightly different direction, and it's irreverent, and it makes you laugh. I was uh, shocked when I learned that's that's all speed reading is. Yeah. Like people who can speed read. It's a skill you can develop. And evidently it is just reading portions of a page to get the general idea. Yeah. You're not I, actually I thought there was like, something like you were doing something to your brain to like speed it up and you're just consuming the same amount no, of words it's more skimming. quickly. It's skimming. It's, skimming. it's yeah. elaborate skimming. And um, it's, like, it's a way it's to a, skim where you get a little bit more information right. than mere skimming. It's an impressive skill, but it's not really what, uh, how it was I, uh, advertised to me. But uh, in any case, uh, what was the speed reading? So, like, so the delivery of the lot of the jokes is actually pretty deadpan in the show as well. It's actually very straightforward. Um, and uh, again, I think a lot of the jokes probably work better on the page than they do in the series. Well, uh, the the jokes uh, come so quickly that I think it would have been more beholden to the show if they delivered more of like a laugh in style. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen Laugh In, the sketch comedy show from the '60s. Uh, where that thing just that moved like a freight train. It, yeah. They just went from gag to gag to gag. They didn't always land. There are a lot of stupid jokes, but they didn't care. They were just going to keep on rolling forward. Yeah. And this one takes it a little bit more of a conversational pace. And as such, I think a lot of the jokes don't play as well. It's like you have to sort of mull it over in your head yeah. and reread it in your head yeah. to ma- to understand the actual humor. And a lot of the actual humor just frankly is barely a joke. Uh, mm. A lot of it is basically well, just... it feels like that now, well, but... Yeah. No, no, but I, no, I think even then. I've, you know, mm. I've seen a lot of comedies in the 70s. I've watched a lot of comedic TV in the 70s, and I think a lot of the jokes are technically funny, mm. but they're not necessarily constructed or delivered in such a way to maximize their laugh potential. Right. It's basically just, oh, I get it, that's a bad car. Like, that's mm. kind of where I was. Like, the whole... Mm. the whole. So it opens with uh, your regularly scheduled program. We, we played you a clip. Your regularly scheduled programming... Uh, will not be presented in favor of the Mad Magazine TV special. And here's a preview of what we got and how here's a list of our sponsors, Dead Air. (laughs) Apparently there's some, there's some debate I've seen online over whether that was a joke, which is, which, which is actually kind of funny or whether it's seriously, we couldn't find any sponsors and we left that in there assuming we'd get some either way. It's kind of funny. Um, And then it leads to this extended bit where they're doing an, an interview uh, with basically a comedic version of Ford Motors. It's, it's specifically Lee Iacocca, but yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's not a favorable view of the automotive industry. Uh, it's uh, basically like, 
Ah, and here we are. We have uh, five men lifting up this fender to attach to a car. Mm. Wow, your fender is so sturdy. It takes five men to lift it. Uh, no, in fact, it's so brittle it'll shatter if it touches anything. Mm. So we have to be extra careful. Mm. Huh. We, we put in a bunch of these seatbelts. Oh, really? So it's really, really safe? No, it's actually like holding the car together on the inside. Huh. They go, what about all the pollution? Oh, well, we just did what the cigarette industry did. Oh, so you're like adding filters and like making it healthier? No, we just... Put a little sign on the car that says, don't breathe exhaust. <sighs> Which is, yeah, it's a one-two punch, because that's criticism of car industry and the cigarette industry. I, I get the criticism. It's mm. not much of a joke. It's I, a again, long sequence. plays better on the page. I agree, yeah. I agree, I yeah. agree. That one plays better on the page, but it's just basically just like, get it? Car companies. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> waiting and you, you're gonna have you're gonna be funny yet and i'm still waiting mad magazine and no and then we get probably the funniest joke mm. in the whole special because it's actually a weird but genuinely funny setup and payoff and i suspect that if this is actually based on a real comic from mm. the magazine it might have even played better in animation we cut to I think it said Don Martin. Oh, is this the Don, the Don Martin with bath the, the bathtub? Yeah, so oh it's gosh. a kid in a bathtub with mm. a rubber ducky. And then, like, you hear the parents come in. It's like, okay, your bath time is over. And then she deflates the little boy and takes out her pet duck. And the, <laughs> and the, and the husband says, you're spoiling that duck. That's funny. Good double, yeah. That's a that's an actual, mm. I you, you left me on that image long enough. I was waiting to see what the kid would do. And then you actually flipped it around. And I was genuinely thinking to myself, that's actually funny. That's <laughs> well a done. good gag. I am pleased. Mm. And then, okay, I, I might be getting this the timing wrong. The actual order of these sketches. There, yeah, yeah. There was another sketch. I think yeah. the one thereafter was um, a sketch where we uh, see x-rays. And again, this is something mm. that plays better when it's a static image rather than something that's animated. Yeah, and this is from the comic uh, as well. Uh, yeah, and they, this is actually a, a recurring thing in the comics, I believe. Where it's people um, interacting with something in the real world. Like, let's, we, say there's, let's say there's a suggestion box at a yeah. company. So someone puts a, a piece of paper in a suggestion box. And then we see through x-ray vision the inside of that suggestion box, and it's a paper shredder. Yeah. Get it? You yeah. see... You mm. wanted them to take your suggestion seriously, but it's set up its payoff. It's a fine gag, but, all right. But but <laughs> it's actually a paper shredder. It. Or there's like a guy like uh, in an airplane Somebody. and he's worried because the airplane's got like a storm in it or something like that. And then we see in an X-ray in the the front and the pilots are having sex with the stewardesses. They're, They're just... not supposed to be doing that. Certainly not on the clock. Oh my god, that's not that's not good. You know, Comedy. You know, Comedy, I say. It'd be nice if you did have a sense of humor. Um, <laughs> I have a sense of humor fine. It's Mad Magazine. They can't find it. Uh, the uh, Again, that, that plays better when you're sort of scanning an image and you can sort of see mm-hmm. the established image and then juxtapose it with the X-ray image. And I think you have a better appreciation of the mm-hmm. visual cleverness Yeah, when you are seeing that they have to construct an image that works with the gag and without the gag. Yeah, because when you st- when you show the the image in animation and then you have to time the the x-ray. They mm. like had a little x-ray sound effect, like a Superman uh, eyeball sound effect. And we saw what was going on what the actual gag was. Now you have to time that. Yeah. And, and the timing is And too... the the timing, yeah, the timing is a little too slow. Uh, also something that's happening throughout all of this is 
some of the worst accompanying music I've ever heard. Oh yeah, they, it, they don't. It's like the Price Is Right score. That yeah, there's this really kind of yeah, this kind of like plinky, plinky lights, really horrible loungy kind of jazz yeah. uh, from the time. A lot of uh, uh, Herb Alpert kind of brass sound in the background. Mm doesn't match the the timing of the sketch doesn't match the tone Does, yeah doesn't doesn't really dictate any kind of humorous thing it's just sort of like uh, it's filling time i feel like they thought uh, there was dead air and they were like put now, music in it and they didn't care what when i was a kid i would watch cartoons and i would just sort of be involved at, to the level i was with whatever character or story or action was going on in the show and when i went back as an adult i didn't realize how pervasive that music was mm. i didn't notice that when i was a kid yeah so maybe if i had seen this as a kid i would have understood the timing a little bit better also you shouldn't have seen this as a kid it's pretty raunchy i mean i was reading this as a kid so well um, fair enough mm. uh there's a there's also a big sketch that's mm. behind the scenes at a hospital mm. now this behind the scenes at a hospital now this is actually another one of those really impressive things mad magazines do to be like this, this was another uh, al yeah. jaffe yeah it'd be yeah. like a two-page splash and it would be this hyper-detailed like image a, of something, often a place of business. You know, it's like a, they even did it with the Mad Magazine offices, but yeah, yeah. also like, here's a TV set, here's on yeah. the production of The Simpsons, here's, yeah. so, here's a, and here's a hospital. So here's a hospital, and we're getting like this like sort of eagle eye view of like every room in a hospital. And every room is filled with different cartoonish characters. Sometimes they're just funny looking. But oftentimes they're in the middle of a sketch and there's actual dialogue accompanying all of these. So what we're seeing is one image hmm. with about two dozen sketches in it. And, and you're, you would have to scan throughout the page yeah. to find the little tiny gags. It's like a Where's them, Waldo. Yeah. But with like, but with like, you know. And there would be speech bubbles. It wasn't yeah. just image. But yeah. Well, a lot of the images uh, were gags in and of themselves. Uh, so, uh, so, but that gag... Also doesn't translate to TV, mm. but they try to make it. So what they do is they show you the big image and then they zoom in to like one corner and it's just like, uh, this person, uh, died of a heart attack. He had just, uh, a signal for his nurse and, uh, she showed up and he was so surprised that the nurse actually showed up. Mm. He died of a heart attack. You're talking about these are like old fashioned kind of old timey dad joke gags, but there was a time when those weren't old timey gags. I appreciate that. Yeah. I understand that doesn't necessarily make them funny. Uh, well, not anymore because they've been outstripped by their children. Maybe, but mm. I also have an appreciation for those gags, mm. and I don't dislike that kind of humor. Mm. Again, a lot of this is the delivery; it's just very flat. Uh, but that, it, that, is, that I agree with you. And that's this is another one where we hear the bit and then the camera just sort of rolls slowly over to another part of the page. Mm -hmm. And then we have to wait a second and then the people start to move and then they give the joke. And there's a decent chance we're ahead of the joke because we've already been looking at them for a couple of seconds. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's like it, it's kind of. It's kind of impressive because, again, it's this great Al Jaffe art and it's a lot of material. But the actual attempt to bring the Mad Magazine aesthetic to life visually stalls out here. And as much as I kind of want to appreciate this bit, I just didn't think it, the mm. timing was completely fucked. The, the timing was and they're they're not really giving uh, the jokes kind of that dirty satirical flair. Yeah. One of the gags is, uh, oh no, they put a lock on the bathroom. Well, how else are the nurses supposed to barge in on you and, and embarrass you? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's like 
there's there's a kind of a crime happening in this gag. Yeah. Play the darkness a little bit, but they didn't do that. They just sort of yeah. skimmed over it. This this bill is outrageous. You know, roll with how how outrageous it is. Oh well, yeah. Point out to the audience mm-hmm. that this is actually something to be a little bit pissed off about, and that hospitals are another establishment that we're trying to kind of tear down a little bit. It, That's lost in this animation. It feels special. like for a lot of these, like they recorded the cold read. Now, if you know what mm-hmm. we're talking about, uh, usually when you do a script for something like a play or a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you bring everyone in for a table read. Everyone's playing their parts. Some of the parts might be read by multiple people. If like the part's really small, we haven't cast it yet. But mm-hmm. everyone's basically playing their parts. Often, the very first read of the script, people, people are told, don't act. Mm-hmm. We're just going to say it yeah. so we get a general sense of how the story goes before we start adding flavor. It's like, it's like the soup stock, and then we're going to add the good stuff later. Yeah. But we want to get a baseline of where we're all at. And so everyone's reading it pretty cold. And they're not actually putting any inflection in it. They're not trying to sell all the jokes or all the emotions or all the drama. I was looking over the cast, and these are not voice actors I'm at all familiar with. Uh, It's not like we're getting the Frank Welkers of the day. Right. Or or June Foray or people who are uh, cartoon luminaries. Yeah. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but again, it might might contribute to how amateurish this feels. Exactly. Um. There's a couple more interstitials here, one of which is genuinely funny, and one almost ruined the entire special for me. The first one is a Don Martin one, where it's a guy, and he's standing on like a little, t- very tiny island in the middle of, in the middle of the ocean. It's like it's it's like five feet across and five mm. feet across, uh, and there's one flower in it, and the guy picks the flower, but that actually like pokes a hole in the island and it sinks because mm. the hot flower was plugging a hole. It's funny. It's not a it's not a great gag, but it's a good visual gag, and it works better in animation. Don Martin, I think, was made for this, and, and they bring Don Martin back for Mad TV. Yeah, and also the Cartoon Network Mad, which followed Mad TV. Yeah, uh, and then or somewhere around here again, the, the the timing of it, I didn't write down the exact order. Uh, there's the Tarzan sketch, which is shit. I didn't even understand the Tarzan. I understood gag. the Tarzan sketch, and I'm disappointed. Mm. The Tarzan sketch is thus. We're at Tarzan's house. He's in a tree. Mm-hmm. He, oh, wait. You know what? I just got the Tarzan sketch. It's really fucked up. So it's, let me let me walk you through the... it. It's just racist. Here's the here's the gag. Mm. Tarzan leaves his house in the middle of the jungle. He's on a, swinging on a vine. Mm. And then he sees someone swing on a vine like next to him. And mm. it's a black lady. Mm. And then he turns around on the vine. And what you think he's going to do is that maybe he's going to be like, ooh, an attractive lady. Mm. I would like to date her or something similar. It's, it, it's and not, it's, but it's not a sexist gag. No, no. It's, it's a, just a it's shockingly a, it's, racist it's gag. It's a white flight gag. Yeah. And so the idea is Tarzan has just seen a person of color move into his neighborhood. So he swings back into his house and puts up a for sale sign. And that's the whole mm. joke. The whole joke is, tar- is Tarzan is racist. Mm. And what makes this extra offensive is that because there's nothing else attached to that gag, the implication is you, the audience, will get it because we're speaking to some sort of truth. Well, and, that, and that we're going to see, and that we're basically you and the audience are going to be like, you're, you're racist, right? You're going to get this. And that's... No, I, it's it's not for the racists in the audience. I think the racists would find it funny. I I think it's uh, criticizing what something that was really actually happening in the world. 
mm-hmm. uh, in terms of white flight. Right. Here's the thing, which, though. Uh, it's know, a, which, it's, which is still used today. Oh, I know in, it's a real in phenomenon. racist circles to... Uh, you remember the whole uh, 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 Republican National Convention, like just last year, yeah. where they're talking about how you know uh, all, all of these uh, white Republicans were talking about how like sub- the suburbs are going away. Yeah, people That's, are coming for the suburbs. Yeah, people that, are coming. What yeah. people? Oh, oh, wait, not white people are yeah. coming for the suburbs. It's, I, it's all based on these very, uh, very real yeah. uh, racist housing uh, practices. Uh huh. And, I'm with you. And, uh, yeah, I agree. and it was it's a real and phenomenon. It was, and, it was so, and it was so yeah. pervasive and so well known that Mad Magazine said, hey, here's a gag. What if it was Tarzan? Uh-huh. Uh, well, first mm-hmm. off, that doesn't make so any it's, sense it's, because Tarzan. It's an edgy like, joke. It's not. I don't seriously. Mm-hmm. I don't think it reads that way. If mm-hmm. that was the intention, mm-hmm. I think that's giving a fair amount of credit. If that was the intention, then it's too simple a gag mm. to work without any context because it basically because it could simply boil down to the joke is Tarzan is a racist yeah. and that's it and that could simply be mm. just a racist joke regardless it's not like incisive enough or sharp enough mm. to really operate on any level other than racism is a thing we just thought we'd remind you Okay, back to this comedy. No. Hmm. It's not funny. It falls really fucking flat. You didn't even get it at first. No. Okay? No, but and, I, and, I, when, and when I was watching it, I was just sort of like, well, that's just fucking racist, isn't it? And it just doesn't work. It hmm. doesn't work, and I'm sorry. I, I'm, not, you know, I'm actually not sorry. I think hmm. it's just a racist joke. If it's about white flight, it it's, comes across as a racist yeah. joke. No, I, I think it's about white flight. Okay. Let me let me rephrase. I know it's, it's about white flight. Okay. I think it comes across as just a racist joke. Okay. And that's a shame because it shouldn't. And if you're doing a joke mm. that is about some complicated social issues like that, you actually have a certain responsibility to make sure that it's not coming across as just the shitty thing you're talking about. And that's what it feels like. It fuck it, okay. it, it, it it soured it, me. It made me okay. not enjoy the special. I thought the joke was handled so badly mm. and possibly I, was so racist in its construct. We can, I appreciate that there might be mm. some debate on that. But either way, it really put me in a grumpy mood and it made me not enjoy anything else that happened afterwards. Okay. So, there's that. that, that I found that, it a poor taste. That, that's fair, but if, if the gag was supposed to be Tarzan sees a, a black person in his neighborhood and runs away, how is that a joke unless it's a spoof of White Flight? How, I don't how, think it's how is that how is, how is that funny how is that funny to a racist person? Uh-huh. I don't understand the gag. The comedy reading here's, is and racist. here's here's why. Here's yeah. why. Because at the root mm. of a lot of comedy, there's some absurdist comedy or surrealist comedy, but at the root of a lot of comedy is the idea that we are revealing some sort of truth. Mm. That there is something we're all going to recognize within the joke as, oh yeah, I get it. That's mm. why we say I get it. Because I get it. I actually understand that in the core of my being. So when we say something, it, it can be something as simple as, why did the chicken cross the road mm. to get to the other side? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's true. So I get that. That's that's kind of well, I, it's not I, a brilliant joke, but it's a good joke. I understand the construction of jokes. I expected something clever, but it turns out it's there's no cleverness there. It's actually very straightforward. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you a meta joke. I, yeah, and well, mm. first of all, I don't think it's much of a meta joke. Mm. Okay, well, that's that. But I'm talking about in this case... If it is a racist joke, mm. then the truth that the audience is supposed to get is that Tarzan 
a vaunted pulp mm. figure at the time, a, a, an unequivocal hero. There had always been criticism of Tarzan, but still mm. in the mainstream, he was considered a, a, a righteous hero of some mm. kind. Racist in his construct, but anyway, let's, we're, we're getting into the weeds. Um, but, uh, and it just says, oh, and he's racist. Mm. And everyone would be like, oh, sure. I, I don't know that's, what we're that's, that's a little bit rough in it. Yeah, I, that's the thing. I don't think it's a well calculated joke. Because I, I, I think the joke I think plays bad, like I, we're I all supposed to get the Tarzan as a racist, and I'm de- sorry, not. It's definitely badly animated and it's badly yeah. timed. Yeah, it yeah. Took, t- took me until wh- yeah. while I was recording to get the joke. I think we can uh, all agree but, it's a bad joke, regardless of why it's a bad mm, joke. I think we can all agree I, it's a bad I can, joke. I can see something like that on the page and mm. it reading better. Maybe. But mm. I think on the page it would have a caption. That well, might actually contextualize well, it. Because that's what it's missing. Context. Hmm. We're not putting it in the white flight context. Well, We're just seeing if, Tarzan if and it's the, only right at the end. I think if you live in the world in 1974, then I live you have in the, the world context. now and white flight is still a fucking thing. We just hmm. talked about it at the public convention. I yeah. get it. I think it's told in such a poor way hmm. that at best it can come across as racist if you're not really... Listen, the show is really thuddingly obvious a lot of the time. So, like, the mm. fact that we have to, like, this is the one you decide to have subtext on? This is the one you want us to really think out? No, this is the, the simple, easy gag. Yeah. This is the 15-second gag between longer sketches. This sketch, let's just move on, because I think right. we can both agree the sketch doesn't work. You, you want to give, give it a little bit more credit than I, I do, and I, I can I agree that it that. doesn't work. I think it's about something different than you say it is, but... Uh, yeah. I think it's about that, but it comes across really bad right. and i think ultimately at best it doesn't work and at worst even if the intention was good there it's still kind of racist in its construct right. uh the next gag or the next big long sketch mm. is the academy awards for parenting just was, parenting, was parenting a, of the academy year. award for parents and mm. uh, it I'll, was an, an awards show given out to parents for giving uh well-worn quote performances mm-hmm. uh when in fact they're like cliches that parents would uh nag their children with yeah like uh uh like screaming you, at someone for the room being dirty and mm-hmm. oh we, all, none of the other kids in your school are that dirty or have mm-hmm. rooms that dirty and it just seems like mom's overreacting mm-hmm. my problem with this sketch the actual setup of the sketch is pretty funny the, the idea, the, uh, is, the idea funny. is funny that uh, yeah. there's these really cliched moments that a young reader of Mad Magazine mm-hmm. would recognize from a parent who's going to be on their case about yeah. something and uh, turning it into a awards show that they're mm-hmm. that your parents are essentially giving a performance when they're doing that. Yeah, they don't really mean it or at least they're overreacting. They're kind of reading lines or reading a script yeah. and uh, they're acting this part at you. That's so actually funny. That's a, that's it's, a funny it's, setup and that could be funny. But, um, but again, the animation and animation. the timing is just so off. And it's also weird because they call it the parenting awards. Mm. It's only moms. Mm. There's no dad. There's never a dad who's giving one of these performances. It's only these like really stereotypical nagging moms. Yeah, I, I mean, and there's something about that that comes across a little sexist that also mm. kind of ruins the joke for me a little bit. I'd be interested to know when that particular strip was published. If it's yeah. one of the older uh, strips in yeah. Mad Magazine. Because, again, I get the premise. I actually am like, okay, this is actually kind of funny. And, mm. you know, as you get older and you find yourself in, like, these situations, you find yourself sort of echoing your parents, and it might feel like kind of a performance. Mm. I get it. It's funny. And but, again, it's just, it's just hitting the exact same target. There's, like, six different mini sketches in here, mm. and they're all the exact same type of parent, and that feels like laziness. It just there's yeah, so many other I'm, jokes. Dads do that shit, too. Throw in a dad. Why not? 
Also, uh, when you're doing this on the page, you have sort of the announcer on the page all, at all times. Yeah. And the, the little scenes that we're seeing acted out are on the page at the same time. And you can kind of like keep going back and forth. And so it's sort of like sub gags within the larger gag. When you're yeah. telling it in real time, you have to stop the uh, bookend gag, have a little mini sketch inside of it, which is just dragging on. I got the punchline already, but they're going to read out all of the, that dialogue and then they're going to go back. And yeah, it's just death. It just, the timing yeah. doesn't work out. And then the last the, sketch. And the last sketch might, in terms of the longer sketches, works the best. Yeah, because uh, it's cause, a, at least a fully realized sketch. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's the Odd Father, mm. and it takes up like about a third of the whole show. Like it's a really long sketch. And and the the mag the movie parodies were the biggest part of the the magazines. As they well. were the centerpiece. They were on the they were usually what was mm. on the cover. Uh, it's what people came to see. Yeah. So the in, and the in, and the Godfather this, was not a, was not an old film at this point. Like it was nineteen seventy four. The Godfather mm. was still pretty new. Mm. So this is this is pretty topical. Uh, for the era um, And uh, yeah So it's basically uh, It's The Godfather And if you've ever read A Mad Magazine movie parody It plays exactly like it looks If you haven't uh, It's a series of You know the Caricatures The kind of like You know you see people at the beach It's just like Hey let me draw you a picture You like roller skating don't you Not really yeah, Everybody likes roller skating And then they just draw yeah, your features yeah. In an exaggerated fashion yeah, the, the artist is uh, In this case is Mort Drucker Yeah uh, and, uh, yeah, so we just go through the key bullet points of the movie The Godfather, but we add in some set payoff jokes, the occasional irreverent aside, mm. a couple of other running gags, uh, and, uh, basically take the piss out of The Godfather, which, honestly, fine. Take, well... It's fine, why not? Ma- Mad Magazine was here to take the piss out of everything. Yeah. There, there wasn't something that they... They held dear. Yeah, nor should they. And I'm fine with that. But uh, so, yeah. Um, and, and and I'm trying to remember the, some of the key bits in the it. The mad parodies always came up with uh, really broad, silly names. Uh, instead of being uh, Don Corleone, it was Don Minestrone. Isn't get it? He's Italian. He's Italian. And He's Italian. You get it? Um, the, I remember the, one funny uh, bit I actually thought was kind of funny where... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Michael uh, Michael Corleone his, uh, mm. his father has been shot and he has to take revenge for the family and uh, he's supposed to like he's in the bathroom and he's like got the gun and he's gonna mm. kill the guy who's like responsible for everything and he's like okay I just gotta do this I just gotta be calm and then it's like ah, I'll kill all of you <laughs> and then the gag in the movie Michael has to flee the country and he flees to Sicily for like a year or two mm. and then he comes back and he's a changed man in the comic in the in the Odd Father special uh, he's been in the bathroom that whole time. Yeah. <laughs> he's still in that restaurant bathroom. That's pretty funny. Mm. It's not a great joke, but it made me laugh. I think that's a funny gag. And uh, something I appreciate is, uh, I always love this gag because I came upon it organically out in the real world. Oh. But the here I sit brokenhearted. Oh, yeah. Is a bit, he's in, he's like, oh, there's something here written on the wall. Here I sit brokenhearted. No, no, that's not it. Yeah. Um, did, did you ever see that on a real bathroom wall? Uh, no. No, I'm, I'm well aware of bathroom wall humor. If you, if you don't know what we're talking about, good, it's gross. Uh, but basically, if you go to a public restroom, oftentimes at schools, people would be sitting on the toilet of their choice, and they would have some sort of pen, perhaps. A writing or scratching implement. Yeah, and they would write on the wall of the bathroom stall, 
perhaps something whimsical for the next for the next participant to enjoy, or, or maybe per, perhaps a little bit ribald. Yes, uh, there. This yeah. is a, this is a private area, so yes. we can have a little bit of a, a it, n- n- naughty wink. It's just you and me here, <laughs> and uh, what ho. <laughs> And uh, uh, why are we finding this so funny? It's so stupid. But then when there's this old, old, old gag, here I sit, broken hearted. Whitney, finish it up. Uh, must I? <laughs> yes. Uh, you can kind of guess where hearted is going to rhyme. Yeah, yeah. Paid a diamond, only farted was the, uh, yes. the, the the cleaner version. Yeah, it's not. Uh, there's not another a great joke. A, another another version of it where you get a word that rhymes with sit. Uh, that uh, yeah. was the version. But when I used a public restroom, I actually saw it there for the first time when I was like eight. Nice. Did you feel like the world had been opened up to you? Like I get jokes now. Well, I I felt like I was let in on something. It's like this is this is a world I don't know. Because I'm eight, I'm not Secret thinking to write on a bathroom wall. That, you didn't that know is, that, that was even a medium. That was verboten. Bathrooms are clean places where I come from. The phenomenon and, uh, I'll never understand in public uh, restrooms is people who carve into the toilet seat. Yeah, maybe. that one I always thought you're, was like a weird because then you're never, still because uh, you're still like. You're the one leaning in front of a public toilet at that point. Mm-hmm. You're not really getting them. You're really kind of you're, think, you're the uh, one suffering for the art. I would think you would want to want to like scratch something in backwards so it would impress on somebody's legs oh. and it would be forward on their leg. Yeah, but they're not going to see it. It's on the back. I guess when they're mooning someone later, then it would be... A, <laughs> yeah, you know how everyone it, just moons everybody? A, like, a, a prank for the mooners? I don't know. I don't, I don't it's, know. It's, it's not a great... It, again, it's like the Mad Magazine TV special. It's not very well thought out. <laughs> Technically, it's a joke, but it's not very well thought uh, out. In my... Co- the last place I encountered like a lot of good bathroom like graffiti was in my college. Yeah. At the college library. And people would write in bathroom stalls at my college, but it was... It was college humor. It was like references to Dante and stuff. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. There were people like writing like stanzas on the bathroom walls at my yes. college. But uh, in one of the bathrooms, you could only get uh, a pen ink to show up on the grout in between the tiles. And it was really, and you had to write really, really tiny to fit on those little strips of grout in between the tiles. And every single comment was a grout pun. Like, you lean really close, it says, like, grout, grout, damn spot, or Oscar the grout. It was wow. just grout. <laughs> I can appreciate that. I'm trying to think of how Dante would work, and all, the best I can go up with is, hmm. here I sit, broken stanzas. <laughs> <laughs> Took the poo, Tony Danzas. <laughs> That's all I got. I, I, I'm not good at this. I've never been good at the toilet humor. You need, um, you, you need to, to have it ready in your head for when that golden opportunity yeah, presents itself and you can write on the wall of a public I, restaurant. Yeah, no one's just coming up with this shit on the fly. If you oh. do, you're a genius. Um, back to the Oddfather. Back to the Oddfather. The Oddfather ends. The, the, the gag with the Godfather is that Michael Corleone becomes the Godfather. Mm. And uh, decides that we're gonna take over the we're gonna take over the world mm. of organized crime. We're gonna make all of this money, and here's how we're gonna do it. We're gonna make a movie called The Godfather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, it's and gonna critic, have all and, this stuff in and it. And critics are gonna love it, or else. And yeah. audiences are gonna line up, or else. And everybody yeah. there talking talk tough, which is kind of funny. And, and then that's and, it for and, the comedy. And, special. and Al Pacino like morphs into Marlon Brando in the, the comedy kind of, version, kind yeah. of a literalization yeah. of the metaphor of the film. But yeah. yeah. Uh, Anyway, that's it, basically. Mm. Then, the, then the special basically ends. Mm. Um, 
And this has been brought to you by, and then there's another bit of dead yeah. silence. Which, again, hard to tell if that's an actual joke. If so, it's the best meta joke of the whole mm. thing. Or if they just didn't have sponsors, which I believe is the actual case. Um, and that's the Mad, uh, Mad Magazine television special from 1974. Uh, again, this was a failed pilot. This was an attempt to take this mm-hmm. format of Mad Magazine in animation form and turn it into a television series. Now, I read Mad Magazine too, and I liked Mad Magazine as a kid. Okay. But clearly you're a bigger fan than I ever was. Mm. So I'm going to ask you to start us off here. Mm. Was this iteration of Mad TV canceled too soon? No. No. Uh, okay. they, they, it's a fun idea using the actual comic images and the actual... The, the same gags on the page, just transposing them into animation. But it needs to be done well. And this is not done well. It's it's really shabby. They don't have any good uh, timing on the humor. Uh, and I, as a result, I think a lot of the uh, subversive attitude of Mad Magazine is lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you kind of have to intellectualize it. You have to backward engineer it back to the comics to even get some of those gags. Yeah. Uh, no, this, this was... Uh, a fun, ambitious idea that I think they didn't have the time or the budget to pull off correctly. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. Mm. I, I, again, there's a couple of, there's one joke in here that was so mm. miscalculated again, at best, I think in actuality, it's just racist and it's construct, mm. but again, uh, that just soured no, I'm, me. It was I'm, just I'm, I'm not trying to defend it, no, but no, I'm, no, I'm, no. Will, I'm willing to, you know, you, you're, you're, accept that. You're, no, 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 you're fine. You're fine. Mm. It, we, you, you, you think they were getting at something, a little I, I, less I, awful, but I, think I still might, think it doesn't work. They, they might have been sort of lampooning racism. I think, regardless, by, uh, that joke in that form would never fly today. That's true. That's I think true. that's yeah. I think that's fair to say. And like you know, it's, they, it's, they wouldn't even put that in Mad Magazine today. No, no, no. It's just again, it's so un with again. It lacks context. It lacks mm. it lacks humor. It lacks insight. And basically, it just says racism. Here you go. Mm. And it just, that's, it's not funny. And it's frankly, it's the kind of sobering shit that kind of ruins a comedy. Mm. Um, so that was if, fucking terrible. But let's, let's move beyond that. That's, mm. that's obviously the worst part of the show. Um, generally speaking, I agree with you. I think uh, there's a couple of, some of like the interstitial bits are good here and there. And I think maybe you could take some of the Don Martin stuff. Maybe the spy versus, there was one spy versus spy sketch. It was too short. I liked it. Take the Don Martin, take Spy vs. Spy, and maybe, maybe, the occasional movie parody. And just mm-hmm. translate it like that. And if you had taken that and made it like the occasional animated short on like a Saturday Night Live or a Fridays, mm-hmm. which was the alternative to Saturday Night Live for a while, um, maybe that could have worked on occasion. Well, that's that's what they ended up doing with Mad TV in the 90s. Exactly. Was they would have live action sketch comedy stuff, which had nothing to do with Mad Magazine. Yeah. It was much more Saturday night, straightforward Saturday Night Live. Exactly. Uh, it, it wasn't even all that different from a lot of Saturday Night Live No, it was stuff. actually just, I, I remember watching it for a while and it basically just seemed like Saturday Night Live, mm. but not quite as at mm. best, not as polished. At worst, yeah. not as funny. At, at, le- at least they had a, like a, a much better cast. Like it was, a good uh, cast. This, there's good people on that like, cast. A lot like Phil, Phil Lamar and Orlando yeah. Jones and Nicole Sullivan. Like some interesting people yeah, came up out of Talented people in there. Just just not as consistently mm. funny, I thought. And Saturday Night Live was also mm. really inconsistent. So I'm not like, mm. I'm not like blowing smoke up that ass either. I just don't think it's great. Have, but, have you ever sat and watched an entire episode of Saturday Night Live? Yes. 15% at best. 
is good. Yeah. Of, of any single given episode. Yeah. I'd say there's, there's maybe the music performances are good. Hmm. Usually they're pretty disposable. Like they're fine. Um, and then basically you're lucky if you get three really good sketches a week. Hmm. You're lucky. And, it, and that's like a four and a half hour yeah. show. It's long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, four and a half. No, it's, it's, it's an hour and a half, but it it's feels an like four and a half. And the back hours. half hour is like mostly commercials in my experience. Yeah, like it just, yeah. there's one last musical performance. There's a lot of commercials, a couple of sketches. Often it feels like the sketches that were like thrown out like at the last minute they really didn't <laughs> they didn't really put that much effort into these ones and they're just kind of hoping they'll be funny and can, then they can just you, can you hurry up dr david viscott is on yeah um but uh but i digress um but uh I, the worst thing of this one and i agree this definitely wasn't canceled too soon i think this is definitely a misfire um i think the worst thing about this special for me mm. beyond the racism bit it made me wonder if Mad Magazine was ever funny. And that's oh my the God. thing and okay. that's the thing that sucks. That's mm-hmm. that's why this was so bad. Was that I actually think this would have if this had gone on and aired more than once or had a whole bunch of these, I think it would have hurt the brand. Because mm-hmm. it ends up taking a lot of the ingenuity, a lot of the panache, a lot of the audacity, and a lot of the genuine creativity of Mad Magazine and reducing it. To a delivery system for bland jokes. There are bland jokes in every ep- in every issue of Mad Magazine. Hmm. There's also a million other jokes as well. Yeah, and well, I, I, I just like think I just a, think a I, kind of a self awareness to a lot of the bland jokes. Yeah. Like they knew they were making a, a dad joke. Yeah, and they knew when they were making a groaner. Yeah. They, they make stupid puns all the time, and yeah. that, that's sort of the, the goal, is to make you roll your eyes. And it's a, I just think there's a difference between when you're reading a comedy magazine mm. the, uh, and when you're watching television. And like when you're watching television, it's like we're actually like taking up your time, your eyes, your ears. <laughs> we're taking up your eyes. We're, 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 we're potentially ruining your night. Mm. Whereas if a joke doesn't land in Man Magazine... Uh, you move on to the next one because it's literally like three centimeters away. Mm. If a joke doesn't land on the show, you, it's it's just death. It's mm. just boring death. It's not even good death. It's boring death. <laughs> so uh, this this oh, no. oh I was, no, I'm being slowly killed. I was very excited to discover the existence of this, and we we immediately said, "Oh my god, this exists. We have to do this next." Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so we did, and I'm glad we did for historical purposes, but. Boy, was this not as cool as it could have been. No. I was hoping this would be like a really cool historical footnote we can tell people about. It. Did you know there was this really cool mm. animated Mad Magazine television special slash failed pilot from the 1970s? Mm. It's actually really funny. <gasps> no. Mad uh, tried to diversify a, a lot. Yeah. Like they did the sketch comedy show in the 90s. And it was a hit. It ran for like 12 seasons it was or something. Popular, it ran yeah. for a long it, time. It did fine, yeah. Um, from what I understand, the animated uh, show was, was pretty popular as well. Uh there was a board game. There was a video game. Uh, they they really tried. There was you know music they put out. There's Mad Grooves, the record. You can get yeah. you get a CD of that through like on the secondhand market. Mad was never better than just in their original magazine form. There wasn't. There's even though there's a huge amount of characters in this in this thing. Even though there's all these different artists working on all this stuff, they were just the art. Uh, I'm reminded of something Bill Watterson said. He never wanted to license Calvin and Hobbes. Bill Watterson created Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. He was approached all the time about doing an animated series with Calvin and Hobbes or putting out Calvin and Hobbes toys. 
How, would you, you would have bought a Hobbs, right? Oh, I would have bought a. I bought yeah. a, I bought a stuffed tiger mm. and called it Hobbs anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but I wanted like uh, a long one, like the one that yeah. kind of like I would have. I would I would have loved that. It would have mm. been my favorite childhood toy. Bill Watterson probably could have become a millionaire just on Hobbs toys. Yep, he hated that. He didn't want his work to be turned into something else. Yeah, that. So if you want to find some Calvin and Hobbes stuff, you can only find the strips. They're pre- well, re- legally, anyway. Le- uh, yeah, I suppose legal. Uh, and yeah. also a decal of Calvin peeing on something. Which is not official. Uh, a friend of mine designed a Calvin peeing on an upside-down Calvin peeing, so they're, like, peeing in a circle on each other. <laughs> okay, that's like, funny. That, I think Bill Watterson might have appreciated that. The one I liked mm. was uh, there was uh, someone did a really cute video short, mm. um, God, I think, like, ten years ago now, uh, that was uh, they had physically recreated the demonic snowmen. That Calvin would oh, ah, nice. like he would the, make the, these snowmen de- like decapitating each other, evil mutant monster yeah, snow, or like goons. a three-headed snowman or oh, whatever. Yeah. Like so, they actually like recreated the various really wild snowmen that Calvin created in the Calvin and Hobbes strips, like in actual like snow or styrofoam or whatever. Mm. And they just had this like long video montage of it, <laughs> and it was a really, really, yeah. really nice homage to Calvin and Hobbes. It kept the spirit of it. Mm. It didn't sully it in any way. It was just that's you know what that's cool. That's, yeah, that's cool. You did cool there. I'm, I'm a little frustrated that a lot of uh, Calvin and Hobbes fan art that's made now is is really kind of saccharine and sentimental. Yeah. You, you read the original Calvin and Hobbes shorts, they're incredibly bitter. Yeah, but they're also Bill sentimental, Water- too. There's, there's a lot of... Here and there, yeah. but, but Bill Watterson was a very cynical person. Yeah. Uh, and it showed in the Calvin and Hobbes comics, especially in the later ones when Calvin is essentially getting into fist fights with his own imaginary friend on a regular basis. Yeah. After a while, you realize what a sad life this kid has. The kid has, a, has uh, an interesting inner world, that's for <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. But my point being, uh, Bill Watterson wanted the work to speak for itself and ensured that as long as he's alive, at the very least... Mm-hmm. All you'll be able to get of Calvin and Hobbes is the strip itself. And yeah. I feel like Mad Mag- all of Mad Magazine's not print uh, output wasn't in the same spirit as the actual magazine itself. Yeah. Get your artists to do their own trades. Compile uh, certain strips in one place. Uh, like, oh, here's all of movie parodies. Here's all the Spy vs. Spy. Yeah. You know, put them out in big hardback editions. I have that gigantic two-volume Don Martin, everything Don Martin ever did for Mad Magazine. Nice. Uh, coffee table set. You could drop it on a, a dog I would, and kill it. I would love, uh, I would love, even though I don't think they're, mm-hmm. like, uh, always amazing, if they had a collection that was just all the movie strips they ever did, it was mm-hmm. like a big coffee table compilation. Yeah, they got, they got one they of those. They have Yeah, it's called Mad, Mad About the Movies. I think they've put out a couple it's, volumes it, of that. Okay, that's, see, yeah. that's cool. I would mm-hmm. actually, I would actually like that. I would actually yeah, enjoy reading that. They, they put out one just recently. It's like, here, here's all the best stuff we did during the Trump era. You know, it's, uh. It's all of the stuff they've compiled together. Okay. That's the way you sell Mad Magazine. Yeah. Just reprint it. Just keep it in the consciousness. Keep it in circulation. When they rebranded, they were reprinting old classic uh, Mad Magazines from like the, the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Yeah. Uh, just not, maybe not in their whole, but a lot of strips were sort of compiled together. Yeah. That's all you need with Mad. Yeah. You don't need a TV show. I'm uh, maybe, maybe a TV show could be done in the future. If they can get that spirit right, that spirit of complete subversion. Here's what I would actually, here's Mm. how I think I would actually do Mm. a Mad Magazine show. Mm. Make a show about the making of Mad Magazine. Like seriously, look at look at Mad Men, but actual Mad Men. (laughs) Who would he cast as Bill Gaines? I don't actually don't even know what he looks like. Oh yeah, 
He's a gigantic mountainous man with his gigantic hair and a huge beard. He, okay. he, he's, how old is he's, he? How old, how old is he when like the magazine starts? Like we're gonna start with day one of Mad Magazine. Oh, um, well, I guess Mad Magazine started in like the fifties. So, so um, he would be. I don't know how old he was. That's actually, the thing is, yeah. you, when you got a cast, you got to think about age. That's mm. that's a factor, especially yeah. if casting a real person. So um, I don't know, uh, Tom Hardy. <laughs> you say Tom Hardy for everything. You know he would work. <laughs> he would he would work in almost anything. Um. Anyway, but I think that I would like to see that, and mm. I think you could have like a lot of different personalities, and then you could actually have some of that surreality in there, mm. sort of a fantastical realism kind of thing. Get get to Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski oh on God. that right away. Actually. That, that's a fucking great idea. <laughs> just have them write the biopic. Alfred E. Newman is a character, and he's just sort of wandering around the office with everybody else. I, that's gen. Well, maybe that might, might be a little on the nose, but uh, that's a really good idea. <laughs> I'm writing Get that to, who, who is... Um, Get me Karaszewski on the phone. Stat. It's going to be like old, old the president's man, and instead of calling them Sky Alexander, Larry Karaszewski, call him Alex Zewski, get in here! You call it the... the, the, the call Woodstein! It the, Call it the the usual gang of idiots, and that that's your title for you. Shit, that's a good title. <laughs> well, that that's what they called themselves. No, I know, but it, like it doesn't necessarily that's mean that, that's not necessarily. I know, but right. it's a, it's a good idea for what to call it. Mm. Yeah, we're, 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 don't steal this idea. Oh wait, it's history. It's, anybody can. It's, it's history. It's anybody can. Give us a special thanks, and we're fine. There you go. And some money. Uh, give, give us cameos. Anyway, that's it for Cancel Too Soon this week. Thank you, every yes, I want cameos. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, that's all for this week on Cancel Too Soon. We'll be back next week with another failed pilot from the 1970s. This one was directed by Steven Spielberg and stars Martin Landau as a TV reporter who digs up dirt on a Supreme Court justice, and it's called Savage because Martin Landau's character's last name is Savage. It was one of those. Uh, I've never seen this. I have no idea if it's any good, but I'm hoping. And uh, we'll review that on next week's episode of Cancel Too Soon and see if that was uh, canceled too soon or not. Anyway, thank you everybody for following along. Uh, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber, we're especially indebted to you. Thank you so much for contributing to keep this show and all of our other shows running without you, these shows would not exist. And that's just a stone cold fact. Uh, if you're on Patreon, if you're thinking of joining on Patreon, Patreon offers a lot of exclusive shows from me and Whitney Seibold, including shows dedicated to every episode of Star Trek ever made, mm-hmm. every episode of the 1960s Batman ever made, every film ever nominated for Best Picture, films that are supposed to be on Disney Plus but are not. What the fuck, Disney? We should have just called it What the Fuck Disney. We have commentary tracks. We have a lot of exclusive stuff that is all waiting to be unlocked as soon as you enlist at any of our tiers. And you can also vote for future episodes of our various shows. Uh, we also are on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. You can email us. Letters at criticallyacclaimed.net is our email address. If you want to talk about anything we discussed on this show or anything at all, really, we're open books. You want to hear us talk about uh, film, television, uh, our favorite cats. <laughs> it's Luca. Well, Luca's up there. Yeah. Top, top 18 at least. And uh, speaking of Luca, uh, Salt Cat Soap is our Etsy store. Go to uh, go to Etsy and look up Salt Cat Soap, all one word. Look for the logo of Luca. Uh, and uh, that is the soap store run by M. Lapis Da Silva, my wife and partner. And also uh, I help out a little bit too. We just dropped a whole bunch of new soap designs. 
Uh, one of which is actually uh, uh, Michelle's birthday present to me. Aww. She created a birthday cake soap, which looks exactly like birthday cake, smells exactly like birthday cake, and is actually a really gorgeous soap. And I watched her make this soap for like like I watched her design it, sketch it out, you know, Aww. purchase all like the various scents, come up with like the best way to put it together, you know, melt it, pour it. Sculpt it, and then only after she had done all this, I thought she was just making a cool cake soap. Did you say that's your birthday cake? Aww. And I was driving at the time, and I had to pull over so I could cry because that was the sweetest thing. Aww. It's like the best birthday gift I've ever had, and they're available for you. So I hope you enjoy them uh, if you can afford to and, and decide to purchase them. They're available now, uh, and they're really really nice soaps. So that one just meant a lot to me, and I want to give it a special shout out. Mm. Uh, and uh, that is also on Twitter and Instagram at Salt Cat Soap if you want to follow along there. And uh, yeah, I guess that's that for Cancel Too Soon. Thank you, everybody. Once again, we'll see you next season. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving it in. <laughs>